Hell yeah. Oh, I started no. recording, guys. <laughs> nice. Welcome to Through the Draft Line. We're back. We're back, motherfuckers. Hello, everyone. Uh, Matt and JD here. Uh, we are many miles apart, recording our first Through the Draft Line episode for probably, what, four months? Three, four months since, since yeah, we had Red Shades back in January, February, since before the world went crazy. Uh JD, how many miles are we apart? You know, at least five hundred thousand. It feels that way. It does feel that way, doesn't it? It feels forever and a day away. We missed you, Draftline listeners. Tanvi, so much. My mom, soonish. I don't know who else. Someone's out there. Jill McCracken. We missed you. Yep, Jill's listening. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, a few quick. Uh, housekeeping updates. The reason you haven't heard from JD in a while is because uh, I left him. He fed me too many beers and uh, I I had to escape. Uh, and I went to the epicenter. I moved to New York uh, for personal reasons, actually. But I'm very, very sad to not be living with JD anymore, let alone um, you know not be in the New England music scene. Uh, it was the right move for me, but it makes uh, these episodes a little bit more difficult to coordinate and he broke my heart in the in the process so i'm still not over it day by day by day i'm sorry dude but you know the world imposed upon us indefinite quarantine as well which means thank you to zencaster for offering up their platform for uh free for i think up to a certain amount of hours during this time uh we're so grateful because yeah and uh, yeah, it's, it has empowered us to be able to give this a go and try recording a pod remotely. So um, please forgive any lulls or uh, sort of hiccups that we experienced today. Um, we're trying this out and really excited to, um, to see what we can do with it. But uh, we're so excited to be back and be welcoming our good friend, Pratik. Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, buddy. Welcome. So happy to have you here, man. Uh, it's been a long time coming. Oh, uh, thanks. JD and I have seen you in um, many different contexts and places over the years. And yes. uh, it saddens me that I can't be listening to you in Club Passim or on someone's porch right now. But I'm glad that we're going to be able to spend the next however long talking through your musical journey, what you're going through right now, what's coming up for you, and and everything else we dive into. So thank you for joining us. Well, thanks for having me, y'all. It's been a, it's a real pleasure. So we thought it would be a fun idea to be able to taste the same beer at the same time, even though we're in different cities, Matt in New York, me here in in Boston or in Chelsea, the friggin' epicenter of Massachusetts. Um, We're on theme. But uh, 
Yeah, so we have Tra La La from uh, Grim Artisan Elves. It's a beer, beer de mel, uh, um, which is a farmhouse L with honey, which I'm very excited to try. They just released this this last week, and Matt went to Grim to pick it up, and I went to Fort Point Market in Seaport to pick it up. Yeah, I've been finding myself walking to Grimm just about once a week. Uh, they are such a cool brewery, um, and I'm very grateful to have them within walking distance from my place, uh, as I have lived in New York for over a month and not taken the subway yet. Um, that is impressive. impressive. Wow. <laughs> no subway, no Manhattan. Yep. Biking and walking, I assume. A ton. Yep. Nice. A ton. Uh, nice. And yeah, lucky, lucky to have Grim nearby. And and I've been incredibly impressed by their bottles, especially my roommate and I have been getting into a ton of their sours and um, wild ills and farmhouse, and that's what we're drinking today. So JD, cheers to Tralala and Grim. Cheers, buddy. <clears throat> you taste that honey? Oh man, I do taste the honey. It's refreshing. Yeah, it's perfect like summer beer. And we I mean the summer the summer is upon us, even if we'll be inside for most of it. Amen to that. Yeah. It's crazy that Grimm, you know, for about five years they were just a uh they didn't even have their brewery. They just would come up with their own recipes there in their home, the husband and wife that were doing it, and they would go to different breweries and actually brew there. So they were just a kind of a traveling brewery and they would brew like there are places in like Tennessee that they would travel to. And just, you, you can find bottles a few years back that say brewed at so-and-so brewery in Tennessee or in New York or in Boston or wherever. Awesome. Is, yeah. That's super cool. Wow. I didn't realize they were, what, what do you call it? Like almost like guest tappers or like, yeah. Guest brewers, pop-up brewery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like some people call it a gypsy brewery, or or oh or yes, and uh, yeah, that's what actually Dorchester ends up. Dorchester Brewing Company. There, they'll have some uh, people come in and and brew there, but then they also Dorchester is interesting because they'll brew for other breweries. So like mm. Omnipolo, for example, will send them a uh, recipe, and then they brew the beer there. And it's released as oh. you know, Omnipolo or whatever said brewery, which is interesting. Kind of the opposite. Well, this is delicious. I'm glad to be uh, from a distance drinking the same beer as you, JD. Feels good. We feel like we're back now. Yes, this is damn good. Good job, Grim, on this one. And it, good job, Zencaster, for helping this to fucking happen. Mm. All right. So, Pratique. As yes. Matt and I are drinking beer, you do not drink beer at all. You're drinking what water at the moment? Is that correct? I am indeed. Good old H2O. Yeah. That's some high quality H2O. <laughs> you know, I, I saw this Tumblr post one time and it was just like when you're a kid, you think coffee is the grown up drink. Then when you're a teenager, you think alcohol is the grown-up drink. And then when you're a grown-up, you realize water is the grown-up drink. And I was like, <laughs> so that's... Cute real because <laughs> i don't drink enough of it um kind of a funny story actually um i used to get and i still do on occasion 
I would get um, lightheaded if I sat up too suddenly. And this was something, you know, when I was, this happened for, this would go on for years. And finally, when I was in high school, I asked the doctor about it. And he asked, you know, he asked me a couple of questions, like describe what it feels like. Does it, does it happen when you like sit, you know, when you lie down, does it happen when you stand up? And then after he, you know, I answered a couple of questions, he was like, oh, you're just dr not drinking enough water. That's the secret. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that it's like that one thing, but if you don't have that one thing, if you don't have water, then you're. Like your body just dies. It evaporates. Yep. Yep. I don't think it evaporates, JD. It might. I don't know. <laughs> have you have you tried not drinking water? Have I tried to not drink water and see what happens to me? No. <laughs> well, so that being said, you know, you Pratik, you've uh, mentioned to us that you do not drink. You are sober. What yeah. brought you to that decision? How long have you been sober? What's your story there? Um, real quick. So I always like to tell people that it's just like it's not sort of because you know it's like i'm not a better person i just don't drink alcohol but um the short version is that uh, a couple of years ago i started um taking medication to manage some mental health problems um i take a couple of different medications one of which is prozac which does not play well with alcohol um and so um when i was kind of i was a pretty casual drinker um, but prior to actually starting to manage my mental health issues, I definitely had a couple of times where I would drink maybe just a little bit too much um, out of, you know, sort of out of a desire to hurt myself um, in some way. Um, but it hadn't been anything particularly crazy. But what ended up being kind of crazy was that I started taking, um, you know, Riddle, um, Ritalin, Prozac um, and Triliptal. That was sort of the combination that really clicked for me. Um, and, um, I just felt so dramatically better that when, um, my prescriber said probably shouldn't drink alcohol while you're on these, I'm like, cool. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> Done. <laughs> okay. If it means I, if, if I have to get, if I have to give up drinking so I can get my brain back, I'm cool with that. Mm. Totally worth that, that exchange yeah. for sure. Uh, and how long has it been now? Um, so I think it's been a little over two years now. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and it leads well into, so as a bit of background for those that you know, aren't familiar with Pratik's music, um, you know, you're born and raised in Boston. Your first EP was in 2016, mm -hmm. Walking in My Sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, but one track that seemed to pick up quite a lot of traction, especially on the press side, was The Gang's All Gone, which yeah, yeah. came from 2019's uh, EP or LP, six tracks, I wasn't sure. And I understand it was about, you know, an experience that your brother had with some people he met over in Kalamazoo and yes. you know, just feeds into this, um, you know, unhealthy substance culture that we, we see around us everywhere. Yeah. And I, so I'm curious kind of like what the story is behind that track. Um, maybe even why you picked it as the single. Yeah. Um, so the story behind that was that, uh, a few years ago, my brother moved out to Kalamazoo, Michigan for his first job. Um, he just graduated college. Um, he got like a job offer right before his graduation. You know, it was super exciting. The, uh, only stipulation was that it, he would have to relocate. Um, you know, my brother's from, uh, my family's from Massachusetts. So the, um, the software um, firm offered him a job and said, we'd like you to move to Kalamazoo, Michigan. And my brother was like, you know, he's 22. They're offering him pretty good money. Um, and uh, he gets to use his degree 
literally right after somebody's handed it to him. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. Um, so my brother packed up all his things, moved to Kalamazoo, Michigan. Um, and he had a little bit of a tough time out there. Um, so the background of this is that um, I mentioned I struggle with some mental health issues. That is very much a family thing. Um, my parents struggle with stuff. My uh, brother struggles with stuff. Um, and being in a very different environment um, from what he was used to, um, having difficulty making friends, um, and suddenly having tons of adult responsibility thrust upon him um, when he, you know, wasn't, when, you know, maybe a little bit faster than he'd liked, um, definitely exacerbated, um, you know, his depression, everything. So he started drinking to cope with that. Um, and what ended up happening was he sort of ended up in this group of friends in, you know, in a small town in Michigan um, who all just made it, made a habit out of being drunk as often as possible. Um, and my brother struggled for a while until about a year later, he um, just sort of kind of hit his breaking point. Um, and he ended up uh, calling my mom, you know, having like a very, very serious conversation. And he made the decision to move back to Massachusetts. Um, he got a new job, he quit drinking, and he um, started seeing a really great therapist. Um, and he really, he really turned his life around. Um, now, for the past year or so, you know, while he'd been living there, he'd been, you know, sort of like telling me stories on like, you know, via text message or Facebook, you know, or Facebook Messenger about like, stupid things that his friends would do when they were drunk. Um, so I was kind of aware, sort of aware of what was going on. And when my brother officially moved back to Massachusetts, I remember, um, like getting dinner with him, um, and just like saying like, you need to expect a little bit more from like the people that, you know, like who are your friends, you know, if you, you know, yeah, yeah. you know, the people that you, the people that you love and that you care deeply about. And I guess like, you know, while he'd been while he was over there and he was telling me all these stories, I'd been really, really angry. Um, and having that conversation with him um, was kind of the first step in letting that anger out. But fast forward several months later, I wrote The Gang's All Gone um, because, you know, I sat down to write a song and I just all those feelings at like watching when specifically when you watch someone struggle with substance abuse or su any kind of addiction and they refuse to get help. Um, so that was all of that just kind of poured out. No that song. one likes you when you're drunk. So find a bar, find a girl, drink your beer, rule the world. Stay up late, drive I'm curious in your experience with writing music, yeah. you know, how often do you find that you write about the people in your life and their experiences versus perhaps what you're going through? Like what, 
it, is that just a gut feeling? Like you hear about something like that happening with someone you're close to and the way you want to express it is through your art? Or would you say that like there's a method to how often you write about what you're going through versus maybe writing music for others? Uh, I think it's it's pretty organic. I don't usually plan it out a lot. Um, one thing that I try usually, I guess I would say like what I write is that like, it's kind of like always what I'm going through. Um, and because of that, I try to be really careful and not sort of overstep a boundary um, and say something that I have that I'm not qualified to say. Um, so like a song like the gang's all gone. Um, I kind of wrote it specifically as an observer because that's kind in many cases, in most cases, that's what I was. I was watching, you know, people I knew struggle with substance um, addiction and not get help. Um, I was listening to all these stories that my brother, um, like sort of watching people like self-destruct in various ways. Um, so that's kind of what I try to do is, you know, like write, yeah. you know, write about my, you know, write about what I'm seeing. Um, but try not to overstep a boundary and try to open it up to where, you know, people can relate to it, which I think just gets back to like why you write songs in the first place. No, that's very true. It's super, super relatable. I mean, it's something that everyone, especially here in America, you know, you know, can relate to. And, and you all either you have been that person or you know that person. Someone. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like there's sort of, it's kind of like there's there's nothing wrong with having been that person um, and there's nothing wrong with sort of knowing that person. It's kind of just, it always comes down to asking for help. And I think like a lot of the, so much of the angst in that song comes from the fact that it's just like the singer is pretty sure whoever he's singing to or whoever they're singing to is not going to get help. Um, and, but I'm like, I'm really glad to say, like, I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of people, they've managed to make a lot of really dramatic changes, um, in their lives, um, once they ask for help. Yeah. And I and, think that's just a really big thing. So I'm always a believer yeah. in that. Yeah, very true. And it's, you know, one, one thing that I've always thought about is just, it's sad to see, you know, someone in that state, but yeah. You know, someone, unless someone is ready to, you know, either they've hit rock bottom or they're just like ready personally to make a change. There's nothing anyone else can do to. Yep. To 100%. Change 100%. Yeah. Especially yeah. in a time like this where we're like what we're all living through this collectively traumatic experience that we're. Yeah. That we're all going through. Like this is, this is a, an, an even more crucial time for that topic. Um, and actually while we're. While we're on that subject, I kind of want to just briefly bring up to anybody who might be listening to uh, this podcast right now when it's out. Um, not sure when it's going to come out, but um, for anyone who needs to hear this, um, you don't have to hit rock bottom to ask for help. You just have to be. You just have to want the help. Just for anyone who needs to hear that. Yeah, so true. So true. Yeah. yeah. And while we're on that subject, you know you're a champion for, for mental, mental health initiatives, for therapy, et cetera. Um, do you, 
how does music relate yeah. to to that uh, that realm as yeah. well? Do you feel like your music and and writing is is can be therapy for you as well? Or yeah, it's kind of like music is. I love writing music and I love performing music. So the fact that I get to do that for a living, um, it's a pretty that you know that 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 generally tends to keep me waking up pretty happy most days. Um, so music, so yeah, you know, like having that clear sense of purpose is very therapeutic. Um, I guess the difference that I would say, you know, for a lot of people who place value on arts, you know being therapy is that arts can be therapeutic, but they're not going to be the same as a trained mental health professional. And so the fact that I both get to do something that I love as, you know, like my main career, um, the fact that I get to express myself through art and the fact that I check in with a mental health professional um, and take medications to help manage uh, my mental health issues the combination of those things is really what uh, matters. And I think it's, you know, like you got to have like more than one thing to be happy, you know? And I I think that's such, um, such a special, like for all of the traumatic experiences that we've lived through in the last 20 years or 30 years, like thinking about, you know, there's, there's been so much discussion around what we have lived through in our lives. Like, 9-11 9-11 and the recession was enough to define a generation and we're now living through a, a global pandemic at a scale that we have not seen in over 100 years. Yep. And I don't think it's a coincidence that that is aligning with something that's still stigmatized but is becoming much, much more less so. Being comfortable and open talking about mental health and yep. supporting one another through that vulnerability. I think that's like with all of the shit that we can think about with what has gone on in the last x number of years and really the last two months that's that's a beacon of hope that's something that is really like something we can hang our hats on and i think of all people you have been amazing at doing that well thanks i just um so one of the things that i will say is that i am a very fortunate person um, because a, I grew up, um, with, you know, the, w- around, you know, a lot of people who said like mental health is important. Um, and you should, uh, you should treat it like that. Um, like that was a big part of, you know, yeah. like in high school, we learned about things like, you know, depression and, you know, and suicide and things like that and how to, you know, and how do you sort of identify those things, um, and the importance of mental health. Um, and then also another very concrete thing is that um, since I live in Massachusetts, um, Massachusetts uh, state insurance, both like Mass Health, but then also the Health Connector, uh, Massachusetts has a lot of really good uh, services for connecting people to mental health resources and health resources in general. Um, but all that said, um, there's a lot of people who are doing the very important work of building systems like that in other states. Um, and I'm a a very firm believer in, you know, taking advantage of that. Um, if you can, if you can see a therapist, go see a therapist. Um, if you, you know, if the only thing that's available is group therapy and signing up for, you know, like going to an individual therapist is too expensive, at least try that. Um, cause these resources are, 
you know, they, they keep you alive. They really do. It's so true. And it's so different in comparison to me being the, the old, old man here who <laughs> grew up in, in Texas and like, like my generation, both like in Texas, small town, West Texas, plus, you yep. know, growing up yep. there and then therapy is looked down upon. You're looked yep. uh, as a wuss if you go to therapy yep. or, or only that, crazy people go to therapy or yep. only like females go to therapy or like, you know, something like that to where I'm very thankful that, you know, even growing up in my family there, they were not pro therapy. They are now. So I had to get away from that and then learn on my own. Okay. It's good to do this. It's healthy. This is how you learn. This is how you grow. This is how you actually work on your issues and and chip away at those things that, yeah. Yeah. And actually JD, I want to, I like that you brought that up because um, I mentioned that while I was lucky enough to, you know, learn about mental health in school and go to a school system that, you know, valued mental health of students. um, My family wasn't, super pro therapy my dad in particular was very against it so one of the biggest things that i also that helped me like really start you know realizing that i might have mental health issues and that i should probably take care of them was when i went you know when i left my family to go to college um you know sort of got away from that and started being in an environment where mental health was taken very seriously yeah definitely yeah and actually that that feeds very nicely into so we we put out on Instagram asking for if anyone had any guest questions. Uh Ooh, and we did receive one yes. from our good friend Samia. Ooh, uh, yes. So I'm going to read it verbatim, but I'm putting it through the lens of again you just mentioned like your father not approving of that and yes. I'll say that I imagine this question is coming through the lens of coming from an Indian family. Yes. Okay. How did your parents react to you becoming a musician instead of something different? Yes. Okay. This, okay. So, um, so the funny thing is, I think the first time that I brought up, like, I want to be a musician, um, I had to, I was a teenager. I don't remember if I was in high school, but like I was young, you know? Um, and my parents' reaction was just like, no, you shouldn't do that because <laughs> musicians don't make any money. Um, you should get us like you should, you know, like the reason that you want to go into like something like medicine or law. I mean, you know, like now, obviously, to be like tech or finance. Um, but <laughs> the reason you want to go into that is because you'll have a stable career and then you can do whatever you want beside outside of your work. And I was like, oh, and, you know, like, you know, teenage me was like, oh, okay, like, that makes sense. Um, And then I went, you know, then like a few years later, I was like, "Mm, I'm not, I'm not good at those. I'm not good at those things that I don't want to do those, those things. I want, I'm I'm good at music. I want to do that. Um, Yeah, you are. And it was like, and uh, yeah, and, you know, it was just, you know, kind of got the same thing. So they were always kind of like against me being a musician um basically through you know through the lens of parental concern like you know like how are you going to take care of yourself like you know like musicians make so little money unless they're ridiculously famous are you going to have some kind of break look at the music industry it's falling apart around you like record labels are becoming irrelevant um 
not something that they would that they necessarily said, but definitely something that was like very relevant, you know, like growing up in like the 2000s um, and yeah, like being like, yeah. I want to be a musician. Um, and yeah, I'm really they've they've since come around. So I feel very fortunate. I'm glad you won them over, sir. Well, yeah, fucking very happy you won them over because we wouldn't have your music otherwise. Uh, well, Thanks, uh, we have a ton of questions around like, your style, your influences. I have a few other on some specific songs, but I'd actually love if, if we could hear you play a song or two. Absolutely. Are you, uh, you up for doing that? I'm super up for that. Dope. All right. Well, I'll give you a few seconds to um, get tuned up, get yeah. ready. Uh, we'll actually take a second here because we, uh, we're going to try out a live stream with it. Uh, so if you'll just are. give us a second. And uh, we'll be back in a moment with Pratik. Yeah. yeah. In the springtime was arriving. Clouds were white instead of gray. Snow ran down into the gutters, and the crocuses woke up to start the day. And I couldn't help but smile, even as my eyes were growing wet. Turned my face to the horizon, try to slow the beating in my chest. So give me blue skies and a bottle. Give me sunshine and a pill. Hey, what's up, Eliza? Give me smiles and give me laughter in a jar I can keep on my windowsill. Because when the world starts getting colder, I'll feel a decade older, you know I will. So give me blue skies and a bottle. Give me sunshine and a pill. Was it what my parents taught me? Was it just how I was born? Cause I'm always counting all the lines around my eyes against the things I haven't done. And every pebble on the sidewalk, every blade of grass that tickled my bare toes is gone. Is always gone too soon to somewhere I can't go. Give me blue skies and a bottle. Give me sunshine and a pill. Give me smiles and give me laughter in a jar I can keep on my windowsill. Cause when the world starts getting colder, 
I feel a decade older, you know I will. So give me blue skies and a bottle. Give me sunshine and a pill. All right, this is where I usually ask the audience to sing along, and I am going to do that, even though we all can't hear each other. But we're all watching the same video on our phones, on our laptops, whatever. And, you know, at least we get to feel a little bit closer than we have been for the past couple of months. One, two, three. So give me blue skies and a bottle. Give me sunshine and a pill. Give me smiles and give me laughter In a jar I can keep on my windowsill Cause when the world starts getting colder I feel a decade older, you know I will So give me blue skies and a bottle Give me sunshine and chill Give me blue skies and a bottle Give me sunshine and a pill. Yes! Sorry, Jill, I couldn't beat the lag. I'm sorry about it. No. Well, Pratik, actually, you know, we're both on mic recording. JD's not on mic yet, but uh, I'll, I'll ask one question that will be on the podcast for everyone to hear here. Um, and then we'll we'll say goodbye to our friends here and uh, and finish up our episode that can be heard uh, on Spotify in the next few, next few days, really. Um, but I I just adore that chorus. I, I most lyrics with the word like "give me sunshine" make me cringe because it's like yep. stop being so like cheeky, sounding like you're of monsters and men. Uh, <laughs> hey, yep. but that like those lyrics are so playful yet impactful and and just they're just and the the way you put it together with the melody and the bob dylan-esque like almost like don't think twice it's all right guitar line it's just so fucking gorgeous like where where did the lyrics come from like why why did you write that chorus oh man okay so this is one of just those really dumb stories but um i yeah okay so it's this would have been like 2017 yeah 2017 so it's 2017 um i wake up one day at at this point i'm like making a habit of trying to write a song every week um so you know it's like it's my day off from work i make my coffee um i sit down in the dining room of the house that i'm living in with my guitar and start trying to figure out like what i'm gonna write um and that chorus sort of pops into my head and i'm like okay let's go with this and see what happens um and i just wrote that song really really quickly probably came together that draft probably came together in like um a few hours um and then the song overall like you know made some tweaks probably came together in like a week um Wow. And yeah, it was just kind of like, you know, it was kind of like you said, it's like most songs when they have like talk about sunshine, it's like super bright and cheerful. And I was like, mm, let's not do that. <laughs> it's like I it's not that I have something against like songs that are about happy things. It's that I have something against like writing a song that like promises happiness to like whoever's listening to it. Because mm. like, I can't do that. 
you're really it's like you're you're a really nice person and i don't want to promise something that i don't know if i can deliver on but you know there's mm. happy stuff in the world let's talk about that well it's almost like parenting style like don't make the world seem utopic because it's not like you have to accept the darkness as much as the as the light and and yeah. that's something that we're to some extent all feeling right now going yeah. through what we are 100 percent. i think it's i i like that you brought up parenting because like i feel like i see a lot of um a lot of my friends are like around my age or like you know maybe like a few years older and a lot of them are becoming parents and what i what i kind of hope to see as they're as they you know as they have kids and those kids get older um, and what I think they're doing, which I re- which I really like, is that they're kind of they're not promising that the world is utopic at all. They're saying it's like the world is scary um, and you're going to have the tools um, to get through it because we're your parents and we love you. And I'm just mm. like, that's that's what I want. That's yeah, like what beautiful. I want. Yeah. All right. That's it for our performance portion of today's pod. Please be sure to follow at Pratik Music on Instagram and also at Draftline Pod as we continue experimenting with live portions of our episodes. Thanks again, and let's listen to the second half of our chat with Pratik. Give it that. Check. Check it out. What, 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 what's it all about? Do what you want to do. Uh, Pratik, you got me to sing. That was fun. Yeah, you know. It was, a, a, you know, Jill made fun of the lag, but I tried my best. You know what? The lag. That is not your fault. You had the spirit. We just don't have the technology, but we will one day. But we have the technology. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, that was absolutely amazing. Pratik, thank you for playing for us. Um, for those who have been listening straight through this podcast, we, uh, for the first time ever, went uh, on Instagram Live. What better time when we're already uh, recording remotely. So we, uh, we linked our accounts, did a little live thing. Uh, so you probably didn't hear all of those tracks. So if there perhaps was a way to save everything, then, uh, you can go to either of our Instagram accounts and try and find that we're at draft pod. Yep. It's actually on my IGTV. It's uploading as we speak. So we have a ton more questions for you, Pratik. Uh, yes. Hit me with them. In the, in the meantime, JD and I have poured, uh, another beer in the spirit of uh, supporting our local breweries. Um, so as a refresher, we kicked it off with a beer from Grimm, which is uh, based in Brooklyn, was previously a gypsy brewery, as JD put it, uh, and is right around the corner from my new place. It's been really awesome to support them. Um, and I am now drinking um, the brewery that JD likes the most in Brooklyn, uh, the one that he has driven to new york like solely for and then gone back to boston so i'm honored to be close but it's a nice like 25 minute bike ride from my place it is other half i've Um, made many day trips just to go to the to other half and buy cans and come back he has uh, not done that since i've moved here and i am bitter because he could and he could sleep here and uh, love me forever i know but stupid covid quarantine, all the things, but we'll get there. It's like, can we make a stupid Cupid song, but instead it's stupid COVID? Yes. I think we're we're on to something. Can that be our outro? (laughs) I'll put stupid Cupid on the outro for sure. (laughs) No doubt. Um, So I'm drinking uh, Space Dream, which is a double dry hopped oat cream India pale ale, which is the wild combination of words. 6%. 
uh, very creamy beer, um, kind of gets into that like milkshake IPA craze, but instead is like, an o- like the odiness just gives it a nice um, round flavor. Yeah. Uh, I really like anything by other half, and I don't think that's biased because I tend to like everything JD gives me. Uh, they actually are absolutely fantastic. The breweries I found myself uh, enjoying the most around here has been really grim bottles, other half, and uh, Kings County Brewers Collective or KCBC. But uh, really stoked to be supporting other half and drinking this delicious beer in this time. And uh, yeah, JD, what you drinking? Oh man, I am drinking Hangtime IPA from Remnant Brewing, oh. Somerville, Bow Market. Yes. Fuck yes. Um, yes, I, I love this beer. And they just celebrated their second birthday. So this is their birthday week. Um, so Happy cheers birthday. to Remnant and my good friends there and the head brewer, brewer, Charlie, who's an amazing, amazing dude. And yeah, I love, I love hang time. This is like Citra, like to the max. It's so fucking good. And, and I'm so happy that they started canning. They just started canning like a month and a half ago. No so, kidding. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I didn't even know that. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. So they hadn't canned before, before COVID they, it was just like crowlers and that was it. And yeah. Can I see that label? I, di- I didn't even think that that was that. Yep. Wow. Nice. Good yeah, for them. Good. Yeah. It's a nice good, good, green, good. um, little swirly action. Like I, I figured it was true yellow based on the label, like through the video chat, of course. Yeah. Good. Wow. Enough. It's wow. fucking delicious. They knocked it out of the park on this thing. It's, it's I miss up. you, Remnant. Hope you're doing well. They're doing many things well. And <laughs> I'm very stoked. Inside, they have a pills coming out very soon, which I will buy all of the pills because lager is life and I need all the crispy boys I can get in my life. So Crispy boys. Crispy. <laughs> cool. So... Let's let's move it back to our guests. So, Pratik, I, you know, I'm I'm glad, like I'm really glad you played um, Springtime because I I wanted to ask about those lyrics. Um, but but really, like, what I've constantly been impressed about with you uh, is, you know, you self-proclaimed you have those like classic folk influences, like the Simon and Garfunkel vibes. Yeah. And and that definitely comes out in your songwriting and your guitar playing. And I even said that the um, the last track you played really gave me like the "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" by Bob Dylan vibes. Which, like for me, that's that's potentially his best guitar work he's ever done. It's it's so gorgeous and it's it's effortless yet so fucking complex. And, yep. and it's just and and that's 100%. like what that track reminded me of. But what I love is the, your ability to balance that aesthetic with just these fucking nasty blues guitar riffs and vocal lines where like you go into this moment where you're like, okay, I thought it was listening to Simon Garfunkel. Now I think I'm listening to like BB King, like in the middle of the dirtiest blues club in Chicago. Like how, like when you're writing, what would you say that guides you to, what influences you lean into most and like what tactics and tricks you employ because it, it for me usually someone who can do what you can do with your voice that like really raspy upper um 
upper register, mm. artists usually lean on that as their thing. And yeah. you don't overuse it. It's like, how do, how do you balance all of the different influences that you're clearly bringing into your style? Thanks, man. Um, it's kind of always a balancing act, you know? Um, well, hey, first, I would say thank you, because um, that really means a lot. Uh, B, I would say it's a tricky balancing act, but part of the reason, actually the reason that I do it is my a lot of my heroes um, have been musicians who had crazy influences and drew from tons of very different and often like very disparate seeming um you know like sort of things like paul simon's a great example because like you know so much of his work with simon and garfunkel you know it's very you know it's very folky it's kind of arguably like the definition of what people think of when they hear the word folky you know it's like all these like intricate guitar lines and these like very like tightly harmonized incredibly beautiful like sort of swooning melodies you know and then you fast forward to his solo career and he's doing all of this stuff with pop music and sort of like you know afrobeat and you know and cuban and latin and influences and it was completely nuts and it was completely different from what he did and yet he managed to always he juggled those things effortlessly because he was just like i'm writing a song and there's about a billion ways i can bring it to life um and so paul simon's a great example of that um tom waits He's known for yes, like Tom Waits. Fuck yeah. yes. Yes. He's so he's so good. And the thing for me was like I like I kind I got into Tom Waits um through like, you know, like here, you know, through like his raspy period. I think like the first Tom Waits song I ever heard was Jockey Full of Bourbon. Um that's off Rain Dogs. That's when he's like settling to like yeah. really doing this yeah. for a living. You know, this yeah. is who I am. I'm Tom Waits. <laughs> um, but then you go back to like his very, very first album, uh, Closing Time. Um, and his voice is incredible. His singing is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and he sings these like beautiful, like melodic ballads. Um, and, you know, like even, you know, even when his voice was, um, you know, falling apart, like much later in his career, he still like made a lot of effort to like do like not just the weird stuff, but also the melodic. Um, so yeah, I just think it's really cool to be able to pull from really disparate influences and make them work. When I'm writing a song, I'm just kind of like, all right, like how, how does this kind of want to go? It's kind of like, it's, it's like walking in, it's like walking a cat. I think is the best way to describe it. Cause like you have su <laughs> like, you know that it's like, all right, well, we're, we're going to have to get back to the house at some point. So we should probably make some effort to do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, cats are very independent animals. If you ever try to walk a cat, it will definitely walk you. Some people will say that like, no, like my dog will walk you a cat. Like, but you know, some dogs will just kind of like, you know, they'll, will be laid back. Cats will always walk you. Um, I I need to like, speak with Leah about this yeah. because she regularly walks her cat like every day. Yes. She yeah. has a harness on her cat. Yes, she takes yeah. Mario for a walk. Yeah, yeah. Shout My, out Leah. So amazing. Yeah. Man. And these days things are kind of crazy. We just watched yeah. you live stream uh, on Instagram, and that was that was so so good. You know, the comments everyone was so happy and so full of joy. 
how how are you adjusting to playing exclusively online? It's kind of interesting because, well, a little while ago, I'd actually almost like actually over a year ago now, I toyed with that idea just because of how of actually playing mostly online. Um, because what happened was for the past couple of uh, for the past couple of years, um, I've really gotten into YouTubers and like a couple of Twitch streamers and basically people who exclusively live stream and who've kind of been exclusively live streaming long before we were forced to stay in our homes most of the time. Um, so it's definitely like, you know, it's, it's a little weird given everything that's happening, but it feels like a very natural evolution. Um, I personally really like doing live streaming shows. I know some people, I know for some people, it's been a really difficult adjustment. Um, for me, it's been a lot of fun. Um, and I know while it's not the same as like being in a club um, and being able to hug our friends and like, at, you know, sing along in the audience and like hear the entire room fill up with music. Um, the I think actually like the last show I went to before everything shut down, it was Joe Pug at the Sinclair. Oh, um, I'm so jealous. Yeah. Um, I fucking love Joe Pug so much. All right. So good. Um, and, you know, just like, oh, he's, he's so great. Um, he's such a, he's such a good dude. He never disappoints. And like his lyrics can be tough to remember, but every Joe Pug crowd, they will sing along with like every word. Um, it's, and it's a beaut it's a beautiful thing to witness. So I know that live streaming is not that, um, but it is a really cool thing. Um, and I'm glad that people are still remembering that for all the, you know, sort of division that, you know, social media can cause, um, it still does have the power to connect people. It definitely, definitely does. Was it awkward? Like your first few times just playing in front of your camera without any sort of audience there and yes. no reaction? Yeah. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's why like, I'm really grateful for um, the comments thread. Uh, if you watch like a lot of like Twitch streamers um, or YouTube streamers, um, their whole, it's really interesting to me um, because as someone who was got used to performing, um, you know, in clubs um, and, you know, face to face with people, um, you, you, you know, you get used to like reading and interacting with people's facial expressions or like, you know, like a bunch of people laugh or, you know, or something, you know, something like that. Um, and with people who, and when it comes to streaming, like it's all about the comments. You, you learn to read people on that level, but based entirely on their words. And, you know, like when they say like, lol, XD. Um, and so it definitely was an adjustment. Yeah. But it's definitely. been interesting. And I think that at least from the dialogue we've been having, like the insights you've been providing are so necessary for artists right now. I think everyone is navigating a very yes. unstable situation in the way that they have to, you know, yes. we, have, we have to kind of accept being yes. not okay. Um, yes. In whatever so. way is not okay for us, but I'm curious about what your, journey has been like to this point in terms of songwriting and creating so i know a lot of your songwriting 
is solo, but yeah, you are someone like you are an incredibly community driven musician. That's that's why we're sitting here because you thanks like so many people know who you are, whether it's from the open mics you crash with an hour's notice and then win <laughs> re lizard lounge uh-huh. or oh, yeah, whatever it might happen. like, or all the yeah. so far as you've done with us, yeah. like whatever it is, like people know you, man. And, and I'm curious what advice you would give to musicians that are struggling right now to find that maybe collaborative energy that they have leaned on previously that they now kind of can't have like in what ways are you collaborating with other musicians or would you, would you recommend doing that? Like where, and almost if, if the, if you don't have an answer to that, it could be like, where are you deriving your creative energy from during this wild situation? Yeah. So I'm really glad you asked that because I usually tend to write a lot of stuff, like write a lot of stuff alone. Um, and actually what I, I recently had the pleasure of, um, being part of like a really big uh, collaborative project called create and gather. Um, so, and what that is, it's a, it's a big, just quick plug here. This is a, it was a big collaboration between a bunch of musicians, Boston musicians, singer songwriters, um, and a bunch of Boston based dancers. Um, so all the musicians wrote a song and then recorded it with whatever they had available um, at home. And then all the dancers uh, choreographed um, a routine. They were assigned a song, and they were and they choreographed their own routine to that particular song. Um, so by the time uh, this podcast comes out, the show will already have happened. But we're gearing up to do like a live stream show uh, tomorrow um, to like showcase all the stuff we've done, and it's been really cool. Um, and I found that, you know, being, being invited to be a part of this and being a part of that really helped me, um, you know, feel like a little bit less alone. Uh, that being said, I think it's kind of, I definitely encourage collaboration. I also encourage, you know, like keeping to yourself if you need to like take a minute and breathe, um, cause that is really hard to do right now. Um, so I kind of encourage just like doing taking a minute in whatever way feels right to you. Um, but I also do encourage, um, start with saying hi to someone, you know, you know, like if it lead, you know, if it leads to, if, you know, if you say hi to one of your musician friends and you like schedule some time to do like a co-write on, you know, on zoom or just send some emails back and forth, that's great. If you say hi to someone and they and y'all chat for like an hour, great. If you say hi to someone and they say hi back, great. But start with that. Um, I do think like um, getting into bigger picture stuff, it's really important to like reach out and collaborate um, for artists to reach out and collaborate in whatever ways that we can. And thanks to stuff like, you know, like Zoom, um, like Skype um, and everything like that, it's totally possible. Um, but, you know, take a minute in whatever way looks good to you and, uh, start by saying hi to someone and go from there. And that's, that makes sense. That advice, you would do the same thing if COVID wasn't a thing. Yeah. You walk up to someone, you say, hi, Yeah. you introduce yourself, you, you know, 
you do whatever and then you collaborate. Yes, you know? absolutely. And it's kind of like, um, it's also like I, so one thing about uh, struggling with depression is that, you know, like I tend to, you know, like isolate a lot. Um, and so it's, you know, it's a good reminder to, you know, a good reminder to anyone who's like struggle, who struggles with that particular behavior. Um, sometimes just like being able to say hi to someone, whether it's someone new or whether it's like one of your best friends and you just haven't talked to them in a little bit, just say hi. Sometimes that leads to more and sometimes that's a victory in and of itself. Either way, that's okay. Indeed. And the big point of it is just being okay with whatever yeah. happens after that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Pratik, thank you so much. Thank you like, both. This was such a special episode. It was not, not only like the first time we tried something remote, we had our hiccups. Uh, no one here is going to hear them <laughs> because I will edit them out, but we had our hiccups. Um, but uh, this, this is so important. Like we, JD and I, you know, we started doing this over a year ago to lift up the artists we really believed in, but also like from a the moderately selfish point of view so that we can have these real conversations like with the artists that we found ourselves really wanting to support, like we had all these questions we just wanted to dive into. And, um, we're, we're just incredibly grateful that we could do that with you here. Uh, Thank you. despite not like for the first time ever, not being able to like see your face and hug you and, yeah. you know, really feel that community in person. Um, God, I miss hugs so much. I miss hugs. Dude. I like Dude. hugs. Hugs oh. are so good. Um, but, but I, I mean, Pratik, just keep doing what you're doing. Never stop, please. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we hope that, uh, to all of you listening that you, uh, whether or not you knew about Pratik until now that you support, um, not only his art, but, uh, the, the messages behind it and, um, can be a part of keeping this greater Boston, uh, creative scene afloat as we navigate through these uncertain times but um i think pratik you 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 had a really special moment that keeps resonating with me where you were like you don't have to hit rock bottom to ask they need help that that applies to so much it's not just yeah. like mental health that's like yeah it's you know that i i heard that i don't know how long ago but it's just i'm just like gotta do that gotta remember that you can't ask for help you're allowed to and we all yeah. should right now. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. We have to be there for one another. Yeah. And, um, yeah. I mean, for, like, frankly, we're there for you. JD, I'm there for you. Pratik, yeah. I'm there for you. Like, Likewise. Love you both. This has been fucking great and exactly, personally, exactly what I needed tonight. So. The fucking same. I know you don't drink, but cheers to you, sir. Thank you for being Thank here. Salud. <laughs> You're a real mean guy I'd like to clip your wings so you can fly I'm in love and it's a crying shame And I know that you're the one to blame Hey, hey, set me free Stupid Cupid, stop picking on me I can't do my homework What can we say? 
Thank you again, Pratik, and all of you for listening in and supporting. As always, thank you Heidi Geist for our logo design and Tim Hall for our theme music. And our next episode featuring poet Amanda Shea will be released shortly after this. Thanks again, and please take care of yourselves. Stupid Cupid, stop picking on me.